Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for CEO Exclusive, brought to you by Anona Enterprises. Good morning and welcome to CEO Exclusive, where we get emerging trends from CEOs and their most trusted advisors. I'm your host, Soyini Koch. Running a business is hard enough as one person, but can you imagine if you had three cooks in the kitchen? Today, our guests are from TSW, short for Tunnel, Spangler, and Walsh, and they are indeed a happy three-way partnership. So Bill Tunnel, Jerry Spangler, and Tom Walsh from TSW run an urban planning, architecture, and landscape design firm that has done some pretty exciting things here in Atlanta. And uh, we're really excited about uh, the, the Super Bowl this, um, uh, this, uh, this weekend. So welcome to the show. Thank, Thank you. you. Yep. So you can find out more about TSW on the show website, CEOExclusiveRadio.com. And to get us started, I know that doing what you do with uh, all of the urban planning and design involves a lot of economic development. So what are you seeing in terms of trends, in terms of the economy in the Southeast that you think would be interesting to our CEO listeners? Who wants to take a shot at that? Well, I'll start. I, we, we talked a little yesterday, and, and I, I, what I was thinking about this is that both Bill and I are in the planning part, and Bill will talk about some of his exciting stuff. And what I'm seeing today is that we were doing a lot of apartment designs with mixed-use product in it. And today, it's really going towards more of the condo, the, or at least is starting to emerge as a, a possibility. The other exciting piece of this that I'm seeing is that in the smaller towns like Alpharetta, Sandy Springs, they're having more office development, but they're more of the shared office experience. So more millennials are uh, coming into that. I'm actually working with two clients that are developing a series of offices uh, like that in Woodstock and Alfred and other places. So it's a very exciting aspect of adding that mixed-use product to it. So that's basically where I am. The most exciting thing to me is just the continuing trend towards looking at urbanism as the amenity for a place for people to live. And we all know about sort of the, the, the migration back to cities away from the suburbs, which is a trend that I think is going to continue. But even the suburban communities that we work in, and there are a lot of those, especially in the Atlanta region, uh, where we are doing new town center developments that are trying to capture uh, a piece of that urbanism uh, as, as, as the thing that will drive those places in the future, because the suburban model, whether you want to talk about it as um, office parks or, you know, uh, other sort of single-use kind of developments is, is, is really sort of falling off the map a little bit. Hmm. So uh, we've heard before about how the, the growth of the millennial population as they enter more and more into the workforce is changing the way that people think about office design and landscape and architecture and everything. For uh, CEOs who are listening to this, do you have some design principles that you think that even as they think about the office that they're in or as they're moving into new office space, what are some of the design principles that you're finding are really critical to making sure that this new generation of of workers is is happy? Yeah, I think our firm uh, as a design firm has always been about uh, crafted architectural architecture authentic architecture. And I think this trend in today's market is towards a fresh new look, but done so in a vocabulary that includes some vernacular of the region. So uh, the millennials want high ceilings, exposed ductwork. 
they want a vibe that's exciting and fresh and open. <clears throat> and what we try to do, I think, as designers and architects is, uh, and, and this uh, happens in repurposing of buildings, it happens in brand new architecture, that uh, we think the good architecture brings that kind of spirit into it. That's what the millennials want right now. I think that's what the market is looking for. Uh, something that is somewhat transitional between uh, what they know, perhaps what they grew up with, traditional architecture, or the fabric of a city that they may have came from. But they also like contemporary, modern aesthetics. And I think you're seeing a, a merging of those two out there across the spectrum of design right now. So for a company that may be in a, you know, a 40-floor office tower, mm -hmm. you're not going to get exposed duct, duct work. So, well, you actually are. I okay. mean, there, there are a repurposing of fairly recent, meaning 1980s, 1990s office towers, mm -hmm. where indeed they are taking out the acoustical ceiling and they are... Uh, exposing the concrete structure and they're exposing the metal ductwork, not everywhere, but in, in certain common areas, break areas, shared work spaces, uh, work environments. So I think that is happening. Oh, okay. So I think one of the things that's kind of telling, so you know, you, just, um, you know, we were involved in the planning of what is now uh, Pont City Market um, in in its first iteration before the downturn. Yeah, for so and, for listeners who may not be from Atlanta, that is a fabulous development, very exciting in the center in the center of Atlanta. And and when we started that project in the old Fourth Ward neighborhood, it was a a, a very edgy sort of depressed place. And what's sort of amazing is that that building that was a repurposed uh, old structure is and it has the vibe that Jerry's talking about. It's now the most expensive office space in Atlanta, and it's the place that all tech firms would would choose to be if they could. So I think you're seeing a lot of places trying to borrow from that, you know, whether it's uh, trying to sort of recreate that feeling of kind of a, a you know, a, 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 a more authentic sort of recognition of what the building really is instead of dressing it in sort of the su suburban kind of, um, you know, clothes that we that we've done for so many decades. Yeah, the parking though, the parking. <laughs> Go ahead. Jerry. Here, here's an, an analogy that I think is apt here. If you think of beer and the beer industry, okay, what's popular right now? It's only the crafted beers. It's only those special, unique, locally brewed beers that most people are looking for right now. Well, I think architecturally in, in the design spectrum also. If you apply that, 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 that works, that people are very special, unique spots. Uh, it's still got to taste good. It's still got to look good. But what, what, what brings that edge? What brings that uh, vernacular back into it? And, and that's what I think we as designers, particularly at, at TSW, try to do. But, but I think it's being done by others also. Mm -hmm. A lot of the, the CEOs listening to the show are in business-to-business -business industries. You know, as knowledge workers, which is something that I know that you deal with, is, is being in this creative space, right? You talk about, you know, the, the words that you're using are very creative, mm -hmm. Jerry, which I would expect of an architect. Do you have some thoughts about the creative process and how you balance the creative process with all of the management activity that you have to do to run the business successfully? 
<laughs> oh yeah, I mean, first of all, the, the, you're laughing. Well, though. the office. I mean, <laughs> the office is very collaborative from the start, and and we're like that with the clients too. So you 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 have to have this dialogue that is just not one directional. So we're we're very inclusive of of anyone that we're dealing with from a client standpoint. And and when we go out into a space and look at it, or we're dealing in a a town. We want to see how that town functions. We want to place ourselves in how the the individuals that are there want to live. And for instance, I was in Alpharetta yesterday, and it's interesting how it's starting to grow and it's developing its own town center. It hasn't had one for years, but because of all the construction that is going on, it's developing this space. And so when we were talking to the client, they were saying, now, when you do this, we have to have this connectivity. We want this now. So it's very interesting to see. Uh, and be able to talk to clients and have a collaborative experience as opposed to a lot of times, you know, a client will come and say, well, you're the experts, you all go do this. And we say, no, 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 no. You have to tell us what what you want. So it's very important that we have that dialogue. Hmm. Bill? I was laughing because of your, your question about how it relates to management. And or, what you got here is 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 three designers, right? And none of us wants to be the the guy that has to run things. And it's sort of always been um, a, a bit of a challenge, honestly, for our company. Um, but I think it's it's part of what has made us successful. It's part of what is the glue that holds us together, is that we don't have this kind of vertical structure where there's a managing partner, per se. You know, if we had one, we'd probably have more money in our pockets. But um, <laughs> well, I think y'all are doing okay. Well, we... <laughs> we, we do what we do, I think, primarily because we, we love doing it. Jerry and I went to school together. Tom, Tom came from an, a landscape architecture background. We're, we were architects in background. And so merging of those kind of skills sets, um, you know, just, just creates a really a nice kind of uh, balance and dynamic between the three of us. Mm-hmm. So go ahead, Greg. Well, Greg. I'd like to steer back to, to this question of what what is the design process right now and perhaps how has it changed when bill and i were in architecture school and even 15 years ago the architect was kind of king we had the keys a client would hire us we'd listen to him once or twice and then we'd say okay go away in three or four weeks we're going to show you some stuff but it's not like that anymore uh it's it's all about social media now our clients uh, come to us, whether it's a single-family home, uh, whether it's a mixed-use project. They come to us, and, and here's Pinterest, and here's House, here's Facebook, and they bring 30 or 40 images at the first meeting. And and I like that. We like that. Yeah, love it. Um, I mean, design is still design, and somebody's got to sort through that. And just because they have all these images doesn't mean that it will necessarily work. But it is such a head start. Uh, I think it's such a positive thing. It is more interactive. <clears throat> and and out of that, for good or bad, there's this accelerated schedule now. What used to take two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, yeah. five weeks, we might say we need an eight-week design period. Well, it's more sometimes eight days nowadays. You no, know, it's very compressed. Mm. So, but that's exciting. That's just the nature of of the industry right now, but it's certainly different. It's we're in the business of images. We've always been in the business of images. We used to draw them with pencils and repeatograph, black ink, and now we're drawing them three D. Uh, 
I'll speak to that just ever so quickly. The modeling process that we do architecturally, both in landscape, planning, and architecture, is incredible. And and it's it's what you see on on television in the movies nowadays. I used to not understand why some of the architectural graduates were going out to California to work in the movie industries, but it's all about the the ability to model real worlds and and we're doing that pretty uh, successfully now in architecture. So we can bring a client in, show them the model on the screen, turn it around, take them inside the model, and it's just a, a much cooler way to do design. Are you are you seeing the um, the use of like VR and and augmented um, augmented reality in in your work? There are programs that are starting to approach. Uh, what you would see in in the movie industry that Jerry talks about. Um, there's a platform that's <clears throat> generically called BIM, Building Information Modeling, that that we use, um, which 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 approaches that, and and they, it gets better every year. You know the way that you animate a model, and you can take it from a simple uh, massing diagram that <clears throat> has boxes representing buildings, and almost overnight. Uh, turn that into a video that has people walking around in a full palette of landscape and and, and is is quite photorealistic. So yeah, yeah, it's getting there. We we just did a charrette, which is an intense workshop in in Johns Creek last week. And normally those charrettes were seven days. We compressed it to three days. But what I was uh, unbelievably astounded by is that our young people turned out computer image imagery for their final result, which would have taken days in the past. They did it in a few hours, and it was spectacular. And the the citizens that saw it immediately understood what they were going to get in the future. So so that's how fast we're changing today in in our world from a design standpoint. And do you think that that's across industries? So I'm even finding as I, uh, in my consulting practice, that this notion that like clients are it's almost like the agile thing in in uh, IT, right? Where like we're becoming more iterative and much yep. more closely aligned with the client. We're collaborating with them much more closely. And to that, are you finding that you can deliver more interim deliverables where they're not as buttoned up as you know you would do this big presentation after three weeks, but instead you're presenting much more kind of unfinished work and allowing them to get in, give an input well, along uh, the way. Uh, let me just say, uh, here's what how fast it's going. I'll get a client and I'll call him up or her and I'll say, do you have an iPhone? Say, yes. So we go FaceTime and at FaceTime, they're down <laughs> looking at the sketches and I'm pointing to what I'm doing. So it's happening in actual real time. I have, an, I have a very rough sketch on the table. They're looking at it. They're commenting, put down the phone, hang up, do it, call them a couple hours later. Yep. That's exactly what I asked for. So that is I mean, that's extraordinary to see that happen. I could never have done that. And it saves from having to go to meetings. I'm, normally, you'd say, well, you got to come over here tomorrow and look at this sketch that I've done. Well, you don't have to even do that today. You can FaceTime. I mean, it's just, I, I'm very excited by that. And the clients love it. I mean, to be able to be at the early parts of the process and make decisions before you go down, which saves them money. I mean, they know that they're saving money by doing that. If Because if they you go the next day, well, no, I didn't like that. I want to change this. And so now you got to go start over and do it. But here you, you don't make those those mistakes or or, or, or misdirections in, in design. I, I think that's a challenge to <clears throat> to get the designs out there quickly. We have to do that. But this uh, 
this this mechanism, this 3D modeling can be so good. And we and yes, we can do it so quickly that it it does have the danger of being looked at as being finished yeah. in three days. And they go, oh, there it is. And, you know, in some ways that's maybe a profitable thing for us. Okay, wow, we nailed it. But <laughs> But I think good design takes a while and you have to keep coming back to it and coming back to it. And there is a danger that, that the client just gets locked into that very quickly. Um, so I, I think it's a challenge for any designer to keep that interactive process going, to push it, push it along. But it's, it's still an incredible tool, and we, we love it. All right. Well, listeners, we're talking to TSW, the partners there, Tom Walsh, <clears throat> Jerry Spangler, and Bill Tunnell. Um, about the design process, um, trends in design, how to be creative, and I'm really loving this conversation. So now I'm going to turn um, our discussion a little bit to talking more about you as a team, because uh, even the most egomaniacal ego um, leaders I've found say that they can't do it alone. And I'm wondering, like, how do you manage this three-way thing? Um, I was speaking with somebody, you know, who's and it says that small pra- uh, partners and practices like partnerships and practices like this are the most difficult to maintain. And usually they don't last you know, 20, 30 years like, like, uh, like yours. So how, how does it work? I think our approach has probably been a little bit unusual, mm-hmm. honestly. When we started out, it was with the belief that planning architecture and landscape architecture really are all part of the same piece of cloth. When we look at our competition, Quite often, those firms are very specialized. You know, not only are they only an architecture firm, but they are an an architecture firm specializing in one or two building types. Um, We've always practiced what we call community design. That's sort of a um, a mushy name for it, but I I think it represents kind of the way we we approach things. We're not really into doing institutional kinds of projects. What we're really about is the building blocks that create community. And so that's always been kind of the thing that I think has, you know, bound the practices together. One of the principals uh, who's not here with us today, uh, Brian Bays, who represents our, who heads up our landscape architecture studio, uh, has has taken that leg of our th- three, three-legged stool here, um, I mean, into the uh, yeah, it, Stratosphere. It, it, th- thank you. <laughs> yeah, um, we're really doing some sentences. doing some great work in that realm, um, as well as the architecture and planning side. Well, and, and let me say, I, I, what's interesting about this firm? I, I'm the new new guy, and you sure about that? Yeah, I know. <laughs> and and what was interesting? I I this is my 42nd year of practicing. And I've been in an architectural office all my life, and I'm a landscape architect. I went to the Harvard of the South, which is LSU. And um, what's, what was so important when I came here is, first of all, the first office I was in produced great architecture. So I really learned a lot. And my first mentor was, uh, was an architect. And Bill and Jerry are good architects. Bill's a great planner. Jerry does great architecture, and Bill does wonderful architecture as well. So that was my first rule. If I was going to work with another firm, I wanted to be in that in that environment. I didn't want to be in a single uh, type of, of discipline. So that's that's the interesting component. Then the three of us are collaborative, so we all will work together. So I think that's what you're asking about. How do firms like that make it? You have 
to do that. But we're both, all three of us are driven. I mean, we, the, the one thing that I, I really love about this is that we all know that each one of us is out there doing our, our part of the work. And we don't have to, we're not looking over our shoulder and saying, is Bill doing this? Is he, is he at, you know, doing his job or Jerry or Tom or whatever? We're all there doing it because, and I think it's what Bill said, we all are very passionate and love our work. And I think if you have individuals like that, you're going to do well. The firm's going to survive. Mm. Go ahead, Jerry. I think it's important to to understand, much like in a marriage, that there are differences between the three of us, how we approach yeah. things. And some of them are pretty radical differences. It, but that can be a good thing. And and there's clientele that works well with one person, yep. one of the three, perhaps not the other two, or vice versa. Uh, so ha- how we manage, I think it's a respect. We understand uh, each other's strengths and those differing approaches. We we get that and uh, we respect that. I, I think the word autonomous and autonomy is important too. We do do a lot of collaboration, but as as you said so correctly, as three designers here, uh, there there is a point, particularly in the design field, where somebody's got to grab the bull by the horns and and lay out the the course, lay out the direction, and you know that's the ego of of any designer in any field. And I think you have to have a good good bit of that. Today's environment, though, you have to thrust that out into the the the, the group at large and be ready to to cr- get critiques and contributions and other sorts of things. But I think among the three of us, we all understand each other real well. Mm-hmm. Well, we haven't talked about the other part of what's certainly right now counts for our, our success, and that is the the 30 or so folks that make up our mm-hmm. firm. Mm-hmm. We have the most talented people that we've ever had working with us. Many of those people who've been with us since before the downturn, um, there's a, a whole tier of emerging leadership in our firm. So it's no longer Tanel Spangler Walsh. That's really why it's now TSW, because that emerging leadership is really going to be taking the reins of of our firm in the coming years. Uh, But but, but everybody in our firm contributes. I think everybody, the energy that we're talking about here, and and, and it's one of the reasons they're there and they continue to work part of TSW. Yeah, we started back in actually around 2001, starting a transition. I mean, you know, 16 years later, we're now in that transition, but we have that in, in, in sight. And so that was important to note the young people. We have Adam Williamson, who's a principal and Caleb Rossico is a principal as well. And, and they have always known that they're going to take charge of this firm in about three or four years from now, they will be the leadership in charge of it. So we've always had that. So that's how you keep people on because they know that there is a a end point uh, to the game. And and as Bill said, I, I have to reiterate that. And Jerry would say the same thing. These guys we have now, there's not one that we would want to get rid of. I mean, they're spectacular in every way. And, and as young people, they've really added so much energy since the recession. We, I mean, it's energized our firm. <clears throat> so that is definitely one thing that uh, a lot of, of CEOs in this market hear struggle with the succession planning. So how did that actually work? Like, was there just one day when one of you said, well, you know, we're not going to be around forever. So let's have this conversation about how we have, we have a um, succession planning. A lot of people just don't deal with it, right? I think in our, in our profession, it's always been hard uh, because quite honestly, um, architecture is not 
as profitable a profession as some of the other uh, ones where, where, where you think about those succession plans uh, uh, you know, being successful. Part of the challenge is the capital that we have as a firm really is the talent that we, that we put out there as opposed to a big bank account somewhere that, that we're sitting on. So having a plan for how you have that emerging leadership start to be recognized as the true design leaders and the thought leaders uh, in the company, I think, is a huge part of it. And, and I think we're all doing that. Uh, uh, another principal, Heather Hubble, who's working with Jerry, uh, ha- has emerged as, as as a real leader in terms of taking the reins, taking responsibility on projects. Um, and, and, you know, we've always believed that we'll give people as much responsibility as they can handle, and it works. Yeah, but, but I think the origin of our plan started a long time ago, and we've been through, what, two or three recession cycles, a, a couple at least. And during those bad times, in the design field, you're trying your best to hold on to your good talent. You don't want them to go away. You might want some of them to go away, <laughs> but the key people you want to hang on to. So you begin to scratch your head and go, how can we hang on to them? And that's when we developed TSW stock, ownership in the company. Hmm. So a long time ago, we had a stock plan set up and certain people had the means or had the opportunity to participate in that ownership. And out of that has, it is just... Are you guys an ESOP? No. Okay. No, we looked at that, uh, and it, it, for a small firm, it's hard to do. I, I, I'm one of the unusual of the three of us. I came from a very, very large firm before I came here. Bill and Jerry been together for many years, and I've been in small firms. Jerry started with a, an architectural firm, but basically they've been... That. So I, I brought some of that experience, and we were an ESOP in the last firm. But we we looked into it. It just was very hard to make work for a, a smaller firm. So it, it really was, it, it's taken a number of years because we've had to go through iterations to get there. And there's been starts and stops. I mean, when, when we hit the Great Recession, we had just put Adam and Caleb as principals and another guy that since uh, left. And we had that all stopped right there. We just then it went, we went into survival survival mode. So we didn't do anything for four and a half years with the transition plan. We just wanted to know that we could keep the doors open. Once we got out of that, then the younger guys said, "Okay, we have this. We signed this contract. We paid to get into the firm now." So they started pushing pushing it pretty aggressively. So since fourteen, we've really been pretty aggressive about getting to where we are today. Very good. So you were explaining, Jerry, like the stock options and how you use that and and the origins of that. I want to go back to that because I think it's informative for people listening. Well, I'm not the kind of guy who can tell you every detail about it, but conceptually, it it is a way to get buy-in into the firm, and it's a way. It was a way for us to to give, and we have gifted probably more stock than we should have, but we have gifted. Uh, stock to folks who we want to keep as incentive to, to stick around. And, and, and there are some mild uh, golden handcuffs, if you will. If you if you leave in one year, you know what, your stock drops, your amount of stock, stock drops, some other things like that. But that mechanism was set into, into place because of this recession, the first recession. Again, out of that, it, it, it at least gave us a means to think about the future. We weren't thinking about it, you know, at the end of the line. We were just thinking, <laughs> how do we keep people ha- here? How do we grow leaders in our company? Yeah, we're getting a little bit older now. Now, you know, for, 
for some of us, it's, you know, it's not that far off the end of the line. So it's been a, a good tool to, to uh, help make that transition. We're not there yet. I'm not leaving yet. Nobody's <laughs> around this table is leaving I, yet. But I'm going to be in a walker before I leave. <laughs> <laughs> I said the same thing. I'm going to be in my on my hospital bed yeah. on, on my computer. Yeah. So <clears throat> as we close the show, I would love to know about new and exciting projects uh, that, that are happening at TSW that you think would be of interest to our listeners. I think what's exciting is that we're getting a lot of new clientele coming in for housing because people understand walkable communities. Again, I think that's the the DNA of TSW is that we want to design communities that are getting people out of the car. So that's starting to become more relevant to other developers and they're seeing the benefit of it, as Bill pointed out. That's an amenity now to have a walkable community, not the golf course. You want to have some place where you can park your car and do that. So what is exciting I'm seeing is that we are the designers of downtown Woodstock. It is growing exponentially. Uh, we have five projects down there now, so it's continuing to grow. The Alpharettas of the world. Um, Adam Williamson is doing this uh, the small town Duluth. That is, uh, we uh, have really done very well with the 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 building of that. Swanee, uh, where Bill's worked, is just going. So we have all these smaller communities that recognize how important it is for quality of life. And that's what we want to see continue to grow. Yeah, I think architecturally, that environment, that that bigger environment of, of whether it's uh, a pre-existing urban area that needs growth or whether it's a, a new area. But in this uh, concept of mixed use, people want buildings and architecture that's, that work together somehow. That doesn't mean they all look alike. In fact, it means there's a lot of diversity in those buildings. And I think what's interesting in our architectural practice right now is that we are doing both new buildings that have this sort of edgy, is it old, is it new vibe. And we're doing a lot of repurposing. And And I could go on about repurposing. It's exciting. It's a different kind of way of doing things. Uh, we did a little project called Urban Tree Cidery, which is the first hard cider <laughs> brewery. It's a cidery, not a brewery, but uh, it, and it's it was a little three thousand square foot space. Those are difficult projects, and it takes a skill set that goes beyond just design. A lot of zoning issues, a lot of building code issues that have to be addressed. But <clears throat> I think the key to these repurposing type projects uh, is holding on to this grittiness, but making it look new and fresh. And we're doing more of that. I, I talked to a client yesterday where he won't let me announce it, but we're going to be doing uh, the repurposing, re-imaging, if you will, of a, of a Buckhead landmark. That's all I can say about it. It's a residential Buckhead landmark. It's going to be a very big project, a needed project. It provides smaller apartments uh, for people who don't even want to own a car. Somehow we it's in our niche. That's That's that niche that we have talked about where... Uh, it needs to be unique and and somehow crafted and, and special. It's not just another big 220-unit multifamily project out on the perimeter. Awesome. Well, listeners, we've been talking to TSW about design and how to work together as a three-person uh, management team. Thank you so much for listening to CEO Exclusive on Thursday. You can check out our blog where we're going to summarize the key takeaways from today's show. I'm your host, Soyini Koch, and I hope you have a very profitable, prosperous, and productive week. Thanks. 
This show is brought to you by Anona Enterprises, where strategy is your access to money and performance. Learn more at AnonaEnterprises.com.